Yesterday, we talked about what we now know were two different six-year-old girls who were arrested and charged with crimes at an elementary school in Orlando, Florida. I spent several hours today talking to administrators in Orlando County Public Schools, to parents across Orlando, and ultimately to parents across the nation who've made it clear that young black boys and girls are being arrested for minor behavior problems all over the country. Let's talk about it. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. Well, developing tonight, a mother outraged over this video. It shows her seven-year-old son handcuffed by police at his elementary school. The mom says her son is autistic and he had an outburst during class. Eyewitness News reports. And an officer doesn't know he's autistic. How do, are they going to handle the situations? I don't want my son to be the next one to get shot because he's not complying. Eyewitness News reporter Roxy Bustamante just talked to the mother and she joins us live tonight. Roxy? Deborah, Maria Herrera wants to see the school policy change after seeing her son in metal handcuffs and hauled away from his school while his father was here, ready to take him home. This video, hard to hear. You can actually hear her seven-year-old son crying and begging to go home. She says it was on Monday when her son had a breakdown in class and the teacher called for the crisis officers to respond. She says the school tried calling the child's father but misdialed twice. When they finally got a hold of him, he rushed here to Hearst Elementary School. That's when he saw his son in handcuffs and he says officers refused to release him. SAISD police took him to a behavioral hospital where he was later released to his father. Now Maria tells me this all could have been prevented and she says it's time for the school to to change how they handle situations like this, especially when they're made aware of the child's developmental disorder. My hope is that they treat children with disabilities at least with compassion and kind of understanding the situation that they're in. Um, for me, the handcuffs is a big no. That, that should never handcuff a kid. You know how even as an adult, the moment you get handcuffed, I'm pretty sure you get scared. There's other re resources out there. Now, a spokesperson with San Antonio ISD tells us there are times when children are in crisis and need to be transported to receive medical attention. Handcuffing may be part of the process if it's determined that it is necessary to keep the child safe. This is not a disciplinary measure. It is a process to ensure students in crisis receive medical care. Now, the mother does tell me that the staff here at the school assured her that there would be a specialist following her son around when he returns to school tomorrow and and throughout the week, hoping that they can see something that they can improve. Deborah. Okay, Roxy, that video is just heartbreaking. You'll hear me say this all the time, but it has to be said over and over again. The United States is the incarceration nation. No country in the world, even more than that, no country in the history of the world incarcerates more people a greater percentage of its people, more children than the United States of America does right here, right now. And mass incarceration 
has invaded every aspect of society. And what we learned this past week is that a charter school in Orlando, Florida, had two different children. Uh, Some people are saying it was two six-year-old girls. Some people are saying it was a boy and a girl. What we now know is that two six-year-old children were arrested on two completely different behavioral incidents. They weren't even connected. Each student, they said, had a tantrum, which is not a crime. The kids are six years old. And when I went home last night and spoke to my family about this, they reminded me, and it in some ways had had not crossed my mind, that our youngest daughter is six years old. And our youngest daughter, Zaya, is a baby. She can hardly read and write. She watches cartoons and still does not have a full grasp of reality. This notion that six-year-old children could ever be charged with any crime is outrageous. But charging a child a six-year-old child with a crime for what, let's be real about it, for what is really an age-appropriate behavior. Six-year-old children have tantrums. They do act out. The best-behaved children at six years old have moments where they lose control. Their brains have barely developed. They are in a rapid growth stage where it is difficult. Now, we as adults look at the lives of children who are 6 or 10 or 16, and we think it's easy because they normally don't have bills and the responsibilities that we have. But if you remember, everything about being that age wasn't easy. Easy is relative. And they are just in this rapid stage of development. And this morning I was on the Tom Joyner Morning Show, which is a nationally syndicated morning show that I do every Tuesday and Thursday. And, you know, we called the school out. We called the county public school system out. Of course, we called the police officer out. But let me be real, and I I don't get a chance to say this very often. The Orlando Police Department first suspended the officer immediately, saying that he violated multiple policies that... He did not have any permission to arrest a six-year-old child, that the countywide policy, the citywide policy there in Orlando is that you have to get any special permission if you make any arrest of any child under the age of 12. He got no such permission and arrested two children that were six years old. They suspended him, and within a few days, they fired him. Now, this officer was a school resource officer He was no longer a full-time Orlando Police Department officer. It appears that he may have even been a retired officer from the Orlando Police Department, and that's what a lot of these school resource officers are. Either way, they fired him and made it clear that he violated policy. My beef goes back to the school. My beef goes back to the county for allowing something like that to happen. Now, I spoke this morning with officials from the uh, Orlando public school system. And they were frustrated that we called them out and that we asked 
volunteers on the breakdown and on the Tom Jordan morning show to call them because they basically wanted to communicate to me that they have no say in this school, that they have no pool at the Lucius and Emma Nixon Academy. Now, it is a charter school. And let me break down and explain to you what I really came to learn today. Now, in Florida and in Texas and in many other states, charter schools are highly independent. They set their own boards. They set some of their own policies, but they still receive funding from the county and have some level of supervision from the county. But in those states where they have conservative governors and conservative legislatures, they want those conservative governments want those schools to be as independent as humanly possible. And the county officials I spoke with, I spoke with a communications officer, I spoke with one of the chiefs of staff. You know, they wanted to communicate to me that, hey, we don't have immediate jurisdiction over that school. And let's assume for illustration's sake that that's the case. You still have influence over that school. You still have sway over the school. You can still make a public statement, which as of today, now several days after the arrest, the county still has not made even a simple public statement about what's going on in a school that is still managed by the county, is still funded by the county. Right now, if you go to the website for the Orange County Public Schools there in Orlando, the uh, Emma and Lucius and Emma Nixon Academy Charter School is listed right there on their website as one of their charter schools. Now, I accept and understand that charter school management is sticky and complicated. That's why a lot of us have an increasing beef with charter schools, particularly this charter school, which is incredibly low performing and now we know has had two of its children and parents are suggesting that this is not the first time a child has been arrested at the school. I have not yet confirmed that. But what I'm hearing is that school resource officers are arresting children all over Orlando. Now, maybe they're not always six years old, but that other elementary school children have been arrested this school year already, and the school has only been in session for about a month, that other elementary school children have been arrested across Orlando in middle schools, in elementary schools and high schools. And what I now see is that this is a problem happening all over the country. That audio clip that we played to begin this episode took place in San Antonio just this past Monday. And again, we have a seven-year-old child who is autistic, who has autism, and needs special care, if you could see the video, I'm looking at it right now, my blood is boiling because they have a seven-year-old boy handcuffed with his hands behind his back who is crying, distraught, uncontrollably hurt by the fact that he's being treated like a criminal. And here's the thing. His father actually came to the school to uh, to intervene. And what we understand is that, again, the, these children that are most often arrested are almost always black or Latino over and over and over again. 
and that was the case here in San Antonio. It was the case in Orlando. What we see is that there is one standard of treatment for white children and one standard of treatment for everybody else. And I have to say this. If your school is not able to handle a tantrum, then calling the police or having the police serve as your basically your temporary school professionals means your school is failing. It's not that child who's failing. This child who has autism, this child is dealing with an age-appropriate, behavior-appropriate situation. This is what children who have autism deal with daily. They struggle sometimes in a traditional school environment, and schools by law are required to have systems and structures that are there in place to support these children. And if your systems and structures are failing, then that's a failure of your school, and having police officers intervene is not a good substitute, period, ever, at all, dot com. And what we see now that a spotlight is being put on this, what we see is that parents all over the country are saying, my son was arrested. My daughter was arrested in elementary school, in middle school, in high school for things that do not necessitate an arrest. Now, a huge part, and I think tomorrow I'll make this argument on an even greater level, but I think it's, it's an essential argument to make. A huge part of the police brutality crisis in America, of the mass incarceration crisis in America, and now of what we see as the juxtaposition of childhood education and police brutality and mass incarceration, all deals with guns in America. Tomorrow I'll break it down and explain to you why the fact that we are the only nation in the world that has more guns than people is central to the fact that we have a police brutality crisis, that we have a mass incarceration crisis, and it is absolutely central to why children are being brutalized in schools every single day, in great part because we have more guns than people, because we have mass shootings happening in schools all over the country, we now feel that we must have armed police officers at every single school. And guess what happens when you place those police officers at school? They do what police officers do. They arrest people. They brutalize people. They mistreat people. And they take them to jail. Now, tomorrow I'll continue on this and we'll break it down even further. But I am about to get back on the phone with some parents so I can help us better understand as a team how we can begin to advocate for serious public policy shifts on this issue. All right. Talk back to you tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Thank you all for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here 
every single weekday, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast apps like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please share this podcast with your friends and family because our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers and we're just not going to get there without you. Of course, thank you so much to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love you all and appreciate you so very much. And if you love this podcast and you want to support our work or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of our community. You can do that right now at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have all of our podcasts, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to our associate producer, Lissandra, and our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for their hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody. <laughs>